COVID business going on. There's so much death at the moment. Thousands of people are dying in the world due to this virus. What we realize is that this virus does not discriminate. No matter how much wealth you have, how famous or not famous you are, how old or young you are, how fit or unfit you are, if you're a king or a common man, it doesn't matter. In January, we're all getting on with our lives as normal. We all thought we were fit and healthy. No one thought or had any idea that death could be knocking on everyone's door. Does anyone have a say? Not now. I'm busy. We can't say that, can we? We have no control. Everything you do, so we can enjoy later in life, when I retire. We all think we are in control of our life. It's like a field of sheep we pass every morning on our walk. Doesn't matter how big or small the sheep, the farmer comes and says, it's you today. Sheep has no say. But now we realize we actually have no control over our life. Isn't it? But strangely enough, none of us actually think that I'm going to die. If you, if you all think about it, no one actually thinks, you know what, I'm going to die. You, we don't wake up and think it's going to be me today. When you hear the number of deaths each day, you still don't feel, uh, I'm okay. Why is that, anyone? Why is that? Am I right? None of you actually, no one actually thinks that it's gonna to be to me today, is it? Yeah? We do. I think it's our, my work, I know I do. Sorry? I said where I work, I think I do. You do, okay, you're right in, right in the uh, middle of it maybe. Yeah. But generally, people don't think. Even myself, don't think it's going to happen to me. Why is that? Any idea? Because you don't think you're going to be affected by it. It's not. You're not um, part of it, as it were. Okay. Any other suggestions? Because we think we're untouchable. Sorry. Anita, what was that? Because we think we are untouchable. We are what, sorry? Untouchable. In the untouchable. Sense 
Yeah, but why does that feeling come to us? Ravi? Um, I think it's just something you put to the back of your mind. I mean, I personally know one day you're going to go, you're going to go, but you don't wake up and say, today's my last day. And I mean, if you did, mm -hmm. if you knew that, you'd be, I mean, it depends how you react, but sure. you either make the best of it. Sure. Reason is, subconsciously, within, we all know we are Atman Brahman, the God principle. And this does not die, it is everlasting. So deep inside, we, we are that. And subconsciously, we know that we are. But that's why we never feel it. We know that this, that this is the situation, why we never think we are going to die. And we won't. That's the reality of it. We're not going to die. Our true personality never dies. It is only the body that dies. So that's why we never feel that we're going to die. We're going to live forever. Because we, we are. And subconsciously we know that. In death, we are all equal, no matter what status you have in the world. Just something to think about. Any questions? Are you saying subconsciously or naturally in our DNA, we as humans will naturally don't think about it because our inner inner self or belief is that the Atma doesn't go away anyway? Yeah. Regardless of if you re understand that or not, yeah. yeah, deep inside you are the self. If you know it or not, it doesn't matter. Even the person who has no knowledge, he is still the self. Hence, he never thinks that death will happen to him. And that's why. Because that is your natural personality. That is who you really are. You're not Ravi Patel. You're the self, which is everlasting, and that's why. Yeah? So something to think about. So we continue with our class today. Because we've been always saying we're not this body, mind, we're the self, isn't it? This is what we've been talking about. This is just a, a um, right now the situation is such that it's actually apparent that you are the self and not this body, mind, intellect. Because you never think about it. So, how to gain wisdom? We discussed that uh, last week. Just a quick recap. Any questions from anyone? from last week's class. Well, we covered most of it in the Wednesday's class, I think, didn't we? Any clarifications? So quick recap. Spiritual development takes more time and effort because you're dealing with, spirit, with something more subtle than your body, mind, intellect. People do not want to put in the effort because we want instant results. So what do we do? We follow the herd blindly. Hindu, Muslim, Christianity. 
You know if you are developing spiritually because you are less affected, agitated by people around you or what the world throws at you. That's the marker. We have the same capacity as any great sage. We just have to put in the same effort. A person can have a lot of spiritual knowledge and not be spiritual. We talked about how to make the mind more stable. With this knowledge, reflect, think, and contemplate on the knowledge. We gave the example of yogurt that turns from milk to yogurt, the process, the same process. People do not get the right spiritual knowledge. They don't know the value of spiritual knowledge and how it helps one to develop materially and spiritually, leading to peace and happiness. So due to their ignorance, people are preoccupied with amassing material wealth and sensual indulgence to bring them happiness. But does that work? It doesn't work, does it? So everybody wants more. Spiritual knowledge takes you beyond the world. It takes you to the definitive experience of the Supreme Self, self-realization. This enjoyment is a thousand times more superior than anything you can experience in the world. The ultimate spiritual experience is like blazing sunlight before all other lights. If you can visualize that, you'll have an idea of what that happiness is. Any questions? That's just a quick summary from last week's class. Great. So we'll start uh, the new topic. It's the aggressive and the passive. Do we ever wonder why people, bad people are in power, successful, and good, honest people are? If you think about it, you look outside in the world, this is how it is. Bad people are in power, successful. Good, honest people are not. Why are the honest people always victims, taken advantage of in life? So this is what this topic covers. So it's the topic is the aggressive and the passive, and it's the top, and it's the paragraph before that which introduces this topic that we're going to start with. Yeah, whoever has the book. In fact, does everyone have a book besides Sanjay? Yeah, good. Because there's a diagram that we need to refer to. Okay. Those who remain in ignorance complain of iniquity and injustice prevailing in the world. The wickedness is rampant everywhere. The innocent are being deceived and harassed by the vicious. People wonder why the dishonest prosper while the honest suffer. This has been the general grievance everywhere. Few have attempted to analyze and investigate the cause for it. The lay person meekly resigns to fate without realizing that there is a reason for this paradox in life. The good suffering at the hands of the bad. Careful scrutiny will show that it arises from the distinctions in the nature of their inner personalities. The ones with a weaker constitution suffer. The solution lies in fortifying the weak. One needs to study the inner constitution, reflect over it, and strengthen the intellect. 
having developed a strong intellect, one becomes equipped to deal with the treacherous practices in the world. So this is the reason. Those who do not have any knowledge and understanding of life complain of unfairness in the world. Complain of being victims of the wicked people. The wicked bad people seem to rule the world. Why did he do this to me? It's not fair. Why didn't I get the promotion? I'm better than him or her. The people, because they don't understand the laws of life, innocently put it down to fate. My nasib. It wasn't meant to be. It's a cop out. There is a reason for this difference in people. It is because of the different inner nature, the different personality in people. Every human is made up of what? Anyone? What is every human made up of? Body, mind, and intellect. And? Self. Self. Sanjay? Your physical body I can see, your mind, emotions, your intellect, this thinks and reasons, and the spirit. That's what everyone is made of. And the body is controlled by what? Mind. Sorry? The mind. Who said that? Me. Mind. And Sunil, what does your body? Intellect. Intellect. <laughs> she walked into that one. <laughs> so, just a vehicle, like a car, it needs to be instructed to act. But the mind also instructs. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we're going to discuss. <laughs> when the mind instructs and when the intellect instructs. This is the whole topic. So the body needs to be instructed how to act. It's just a vehicle. So the weaker suffer at the hands of the stronger personality. So you too can overcome the difference. How? Anyone? How can you have a stronger personality? Knowledge. Knowledge, yeah. And then, what do you do with the knowledge? You put it into action. Put it in action. Take the knowledge, study, analyze. Analyze your personality. Where am I? Who am I? What am I? Your weaknesses, and then strengthen your intellect. If you think you're very mind-led, very emotional, you know you need to do it. Later on in the, chap in the book, we have a personality chart, which everyone can use to see where they are, their personality. So once strengthened, you are prepared to tackle the dishonest people with the strong personality in the world. But this is an introduction to this topic. I won't take any questions until we've gone through a couple of paragraphs, yeah? Because that's just the introduction. So the topic is the aggressive and the passive. And everyone has access to that diagram there. You can just have a look and just give you an idea. Sanjay, it's not that, uh, this diagram here, by the way, yeah? Yeah? 
I'll explain what it is, so don't worry. The nature of human beings fall under two broad classifications, the aggressive and the passive. The aggressive are those who use their intellect in life's activities, while the passive operate from the level of their mind. Again, each of these can be classified as good or bad. Thus, there are the aggressive good and the aggressive bad persons. Likewise, the passive good and the passive bad, as illustrated below. So there are two types of human beings in the world, aggressive and passive. Yeah, that's all you need to know. Aggressive and passive. The difference is that the aggressive use their intellect. They think before they perform their actions. The passive use their mind to act. No thinking before they act. And then in each category, aggressive and passive, there is good and bad. Is that clear? So you've got aggressive, bad, passive people, two groups of people, and each in that category, there's good and bad people. Is that clear to everyone? Yeah, in the diagram. Okay, great. Okay. The terms aggressive and passive have a special condemnation derived by the use or non-use of the intellect. The mind and intellect are the two equipments which propel human activity. The body cannot act on its own. Actions proceed from either the mind or the intellect. A person is considered passive when he acts from his mind without the guidance of the intellect, whereas he who uses his intellect to direct his mind and body to act is classified as aggressive. So, as we said earlier, the body is driven to act by either the mind or intellect. Those who use the guidance of the intellect would be, we can say in Hindi, those who use the intellect to act are aggressive. Now forget the term aggressive as we use in the English language, yeah? We don't mean in that way aggressive, it's just a terminology, yeah? But those who act with their intellect are aggressive, and those who use their mind to act without using the intellect are regarded as passive. Bella, does that make sense? Yeah. If your mind drives your action, you're a passive person. If you think, reason, and then act, you're an aggressive person. That's all we need to understand from this paragraph. Is that clear, everyone? Okay. Any questions, by the way, before we continue? Any clarifications? Passive person functioning from the mental level lives by his feelings rather than reason and judgment. He does not think, discriminate with his intellect, nor scrutinize, analyze his actions, much less question their merit or demerit. He lives a routine mechanical pattern of life, follows blindly the life of his family, predecessors, environment, situation and circumstance shape his individuality rather than his individuality shaping them. By and large, he lives an unintelligent dog life of passive acceptance of whatever 
has gone before him. He lacks the intellect initiative to use his human resources to rise above the external influences and steer himself to a meaningful, purposeful life. So this describes a passive person. A passive person acts based on their emotions. The mind is full of feelings, emotions, likes and dislikes. It's like a child in us. The intellect is the adult in us. It thinks, it reasons, it judges, it decides, then it acts. What it's saying is a person, a passive person, acts based on his emotions. So all his actions are based on those things. I like that. I don't like that. I'm not going to, even though what he doesn't like may be good for him. And what he does like is bad for him. Doesn't matter. I like that. That example we can use in food. We eat what we like rather than what we should eat, which is good for us. Passive person goes by emotions. Gets emotional. Can't control the emotions. The actions are impulsive. I want that. No thinking. So this kind of person lives a routine mechanical life, follows whatever his friends or family does, doesn't think for themselves, just accepts his circumstances, his surroundings, uh, that sort of attitude, you know? My fate, this is where I am, it's okay. He doesn't think reason with his intellect, even though he has one. He doesn't use it. He can't think, what shall I do to better my life? He just accepts his circumstances. A person living in a slum is content in being there. This is our fate. People stay in the same laborer job all their life. Nothing wrong, we're just analyzing. There's no difference between him and a professor. He's just not using his intellect. The passive person just lives the life he's given. No real drive to develop. He's not able to change himself because he doesn't use his intellect. Now, when we say develop, we mean materially and spiritually. Yeah? We mean mean both. Whatever he, faith he's in, whatever ritual he's doing, he'll do that for the rest of his life without thinking. What am I doing? Why am I doing it? Spiritually as well. I was born in this, so therefore this must be right for me. <laughs> Nothing wrong, we're just analyzing. Yeah. Any questions? So this is a passive person. So you, you were saying about a professor. Yeah. Um, continuing, because we're thinking about whole spectrum of individuals. Mm -hmm. a, a, bit louder. a very intelligent person can also be passive. Yes. Because you, you gave the example of a professor. Yeah. You think that that professor is very intelligent. Yeah. And 
So he might not, he might still be passively. He may be intelligent, but he, and he may still be passive, but he came, he uses his intellect naturally. Yeah. yeah? He was, he, had, oh, he naturally had that, uh, uh, he already naturally had that availability to use his intellect. And he was, you know, from, from whatever, his upbringing or whatever. So he's got the faculty. He's got the faculty. But he's not using it to better himself. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. He's not using it to better himself. Because he's not aware of the intellect. He's not aware how to strengthen it. So he's just aware of his field of knowledge. Yeah. That's right. And highly developed in that. Yes. We're going to come to that. So, so the four categories, yeah? Passive, good and bad. Aggressive, good and bad. Passive is only mind-led, they don't think. Aggressive, they use their intellect and think. So we're going to now discuss the four different categories. Mm -hmm. uh, such passive. Such passively may learn, may lean towards good or bad. A passively bad person leads a wrongful, immoral life without really intending to do so. He does not willfully, guiltfully plan or scheme activities to meet his private ends. He does not mean to be bad. He continues to live a wrong way of life, usually inherited from his past. His intellect does not consciously examine the nature of his activity and its repercussions. He is caught up in a mode of living which happens to be bad. So very important this, yeah? Within the passive category, there are good and bad. The passively bad live a bad, immoral life, but do not know they are doing so. They don't know that they're living a bad life. That's their nature. Selfishness, it's their nature. They don't think about another person that they may be harming. They've got no morality. That's natural for them. This is how they are. The intentions are not bad. It's just a mechanical life from their past actions manifesting. And they do not have the use of the intellect to guide them. Is that quite clear to everyone? They don't know they're bad. The passive bad. It's just naturally that's how they are. That's their personality. It's only if you're a good person you realize that this person is bad. A person won't realize that he's bad. He may realize his, his he may even realize he's a good person compared to someone even worse than him. But only a good person will say, this guy's bad. And he'll say, what do you think, what are you talking about? Is that clear? So a passively bad person doesn't know he's bad. He's just acting naturally based on his past actions. You know, cause and effect. This is the effect of his past actions. That's quite important. And they don't have the use of the intellect to guide them. The second category. So, well, let's uh, finish the next paragraph before we ask questions. 
So it is with the passively good person. He is involved in a way of life which happens to be good, moral without even realizing it to be so. He merely leads his life based on good impulses. He does not plan and execute a virtuous way of living. His intellect has not gone through the process of analyzing and determining a right course of life. He carries on unmindful of the repercussions of his action. Such indiscriminate action, however good, may at times prove detrimental to himself and his society. So the passive good, they live a good moral life compared to the passive bad. Without planning to, they're just acting on good feelings. His nature is of a kind, good person. But once again, he does not use his intellect to plan a right life. He's naturally like that. That's his nature. Even though his actions are good, he doesn't know what will happen, the result of his actions. His actions, even though they are good, can be damaging to himself and the general public, even though he's a good person. So that's the uh, passive, good and bad. Any questions on that? Does everyone understand the difference? The bad person doesn't know he's bad, the passive. And the good person doesn't know he's good. It's just naturally like that. Meghna? Um, Doubt there. Yeah, what constitutes as, as bad, like as in just an example of like the two types of people? Okay, so a, ba a bad person might be, anybody would like to answer that? What would be a bad person? We all know bad people. We all know bad people. Yeah, so. So it is very subjective and that was one of my questions. What might be good for me or bad for me might not be good or bad for you. But your question, I'm thinking, is probably uh, the more selfish it is, possibly. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's one, that's one marker you can use, how selfish a person is, how self-centered he is as a bad person. We're, we're not talking, you know, uh, we're just talking generally people's nature here. Yeah? You may have a friend circle. One person you know is more selfish than the other. They don't know that selfish. They just are. That's their natural nature. But yeah. because you're unselfish, you can recognize that. To them, it's normal. So in the passive sense, we're just talking that the person who's good, the person is bad. You may uh, like to feed the poor people. They might say, well, is that tough luck? You know, why should I feed them? So you're thinking of good things. They're thinking of selfish things. They can't understand why you want to feed them. Yeah. You can't understand why they don't want to feed them. So it's just different mental nature. Yeah? Yeah. Any other clarifications? It's quite subtle. Mm. Deepa. Andy, I just, have you got any examples of um, historic famous people that we can categorize in 
in these four categories? Just yes. a few people have a visual. Yes, I have in the aggressive, which will coming up. Okay. We'll make you understand the passive. Passive is a bit more difficult. Mm. It's just people who are mind-led and this is their nature. You have to accept that this is their nature. This is a good person, this is a bad person. Yeah, but this is only in the passive category, person who doesn't use his intellect to think. So they're just behaving naturally how they were brought up based on their past actions. They cause and effect. But once we go into the aggressive, you'll have a better, clearer understanding of this. The aggressive nature is the opposite of the passive. An aggressively bad person viciously pan, plans and schemes, manipulates and maneuvers immoral, corrupt ways of life for pursuing his selfish motives. He observes no scruples, breaks custom and tradition, rule and regulation, all for his self-centered personal aggrandizement. aggrandizement. The aggressive constantly employ their intellect in programming their life, whereas the passive never do so. Consequently, the aggressive are more powerful. The aggressive bad dominate over the passive good and bad and freely exploit them to serve their personal interests. So the aggressive, in the aggressive category, there's good and bad. So we're now discussing the aggressive bad nature. This is the opposite of the passive nature. He's an immoral, manipulating person, breaks the rules. A cruel person, he lives a corrupt life for his own selfish motives. Example, Hitler. Uh, Sunil Putin. Aggressively good, aggressively bad person. Whatever he's doing is for his own selfish reason, not for the country. There are so many of these characters. Even if you analyze people at work, you work with, even in your family even, you will see these different category of people. Some people get to the top of the ladder purely by manipulating and scheming. The difference here is that the aggressive use their intellect to plan their lives. They think, good or bad, but they're thinking before they act. If they're a bad person, they'll think badly. How can I get take advantage of this person? How can I manipulate this person? So the fact that the aggressive use their intellect, they makes them more powerful. And therefore they dominate and use the passive person for their benefit. They take advantage of the passive person. And this is what's happening in the world. Does that make sense? So now you need to, now you have this understanding, you have to think, how is this person? What's this person's personality? He's thinking, he's scheming for his own selfish, for his own selfish growth. He's not thinking of anybody else but himself. 
I'll leave you to analyze people you know in these sort of categories. Because this is, you know, they're all out there. Families, relatives, workmates, college mates, whatever. This is, their, this is people's personality we're analyzing. So it's, if we understand this, we know how to deal with people. This is the point we're trying to make here. Okay, the fourth category, and then we can take questions. The fourth cadre is the aggressively good person. Rare indeed is one in this category. The aggressive good is inherently virtuous, divine. He uses his intellect to plan and program his course of life for the benefit of one and all, never functions impulsively. His reason and judgment steers every activity directed to the well-being of the community. He studies facts, foresees consequences, and works towards the best interest of the people. A single aggressively good person can bring about peace and harmony in the community. So this is the fourth category, the aggressive good person. This person is very rare, by the way, yeah? This category person. is naturally a divine and virtuous person. Highly unselfish. He uses his intellect to plan and direct his life to benefit himself and others. He uses reason and facts to determine his actions and acts with the interest of others. How can I help everybody else? If this is good for me, I'm sure this is good for everyone else. Let me help everyone. This caliber of a person can bring peace and harmony to his family, community, and country. Example, any examples? Aggressively good person. Gandhi. Mahatma Gandhi, yeah, that's one I've got on my list. Well, anyone else? Mother yeah. Teresa. Oh. your mic is off. Mother Teresa. Who? Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, yeah. You've got access to my pad, I think, iPad. <laughs> uh, Lord Krishna. Lord Krishna. Just snapping, you have to turn your mic on first. Yeah. Finally, yes. Uh, Mandela. Absolutely. You're right. They were unselfish people. They were aggressively good people. They thought, how can we, how can we benefit the whole country? Let's take them out of, I mean, Gandhi and Lancel Mandela, they were able to free their country. Can you imagine how powerful intellect they have? Gandhiji didn't even want to have any fights or any violence, nothing. He just used his intellect. Do it this way. They'll be gone. What did he have? Nothing. So, highly unselfish, aggressively good person. Lord Krishna, Mother Teresa, they use their intellect for the benefit of their country. 
Any other examples? But they're very rare, they're saying. But it's relative. You may be a aggressively good person and serving your family or your community. Let's bring the whole community up. So it's relative. You know, we're not, we're not, we're, we may not all be Gandhiji's and Nelson Mandela's, but relatively we can still do good things for people besides ourselves. We can practice it relatively aggressively good, but we have to use our intellect. This is the thing. Any questions? Does everyone understand the four categories? If there is then clarification on the four categories. With the four categories, um, looking at some of the examples, especially Mandela is a good one, I would say, they would have, would have been passive and then aggressive good or passive good to aggressive good. So that you can progress, obviously, from... Uh, if you can progress if you have that ability, if you understand that for me to free my country, I need to strengthen myself. Yeah? And then he may have strengthened himself intellectually uh, or thinking, reasoning, how can I get rid of... How can I get freedom for my country? You would have had to thought, think about that. And only the intellect can think. Yeah, to, I mean, he got there as in similar process by, but he did, looking at history, he was quite um, passive bad, but initially the way he was aggressive, the way he was working, and then he progressed into aggressive good because of increasing his knowledge. So we all have to progress to that stage, no matter where we are. A, a criminal can turn into a priest. Isn't it? Uh, what's that film? No. Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Criminal turned into a good human being. If, any, if, everyone, if everyone's seen La Miserable, he was a bad person. He was a criminal. With whatever he did, he only, he only stole a loaf of bread to feed his family. But he was in prison for 15 years but he was regarded as a criminal and he became a criminal. But suddenly he turned into a, an aggressively good person. Any other clarifications on the four categories? Do you, do you think it's easier for an aggressively bad person to turn to an aggressively good person than it is for a passively good person to turn into an aggressively good person. Yeah, yeah. Did, she, did everyone understand that question? She asked if, can an aggressive bad person turn into an aggressive good person? Is it easier for, to do that than a passively good person to turn into an aggressive good. Yes, because he's already using his intellect. All he's doing is changing his selfishness to become unselfish. Like you said, Nelson Mandela may have been an aggressively bad person, Ravi. Aggressively. Oh, passively. Yeah. No. 
but he may have been an aggressively bad person. He may have been a bad person. He's still thinking. He still has the use of his intellect. He may have seen the plight of his people and think, I need to liberate them. Therefore, he's now raised his awareness to become unselfish, to think of. But in turn, he, he, he also um, benefited. He became the prime minister, the president. Any other clarifications? proportion of the passive far exceeds the aggressive everywhere. The reason being that human beings hardly use their intellect. They live at the level of their mind and its emotions, feelings, likes and dislikes, and some of the consequences. They do not care to exert, strive for bettering themselves. The passive are rising in numbers among the aggressive. Among the aggressive. The good are indeed very rare. So the aggressive bad exploit the weakness of the passive good and bad. The passive become victims of the vicious practices of the aggressive bad. This explains why the honest suffer while the dishonest prosper. It is the intellect scoring over the mind. A law of human nature the passive do not realize their weakness, make no attempt to strengthen their intellect. They choose to remain in their mental and emotional frame, yet overpowered by those who operate from the level of the intellect and complain of the world being corrupt. To solve this problem, they must shed their complacency and develop their intellect until they fortify themselves they may need to seek intellectual guidance from others to combat the viciousness of the aggressive bad. Thus must the passive turn into aggressive good to be able to confront and conquer the aggressive bad elements in the society. There is no other way to it. So there are more passive people than aggressive in the world and rising. Why? Don't make excuses. <laughs> it is so we just accept Kalug and just accept everything we have, then, I'm isn't not it? Accepting it, but I'm saying why. That's no, that's not the right answer. The passive are rising. Why? Because the intellect is not being used. Um, no one's it's not being used. Most people don't use it. Either they. They don't know it's available, they don't know how to, or they just accept their life. This is me, accept me how I am. You know, why? If you're, if you're a lazy, selfish person, why should I accept you the way you are? Why can't you better yourself? Most people don't use their intellect and act on their mind. Therefore, the passive become victims of the bad. That's that's why the honest do not prosper and the bad prosper. The only way is that the passive must realize this problem and develop their intellect to become aggressively good. Only then can they overcome the bad. 
It's in your hands, basically. This is what they're saying. A bad person can only take advantage of you because you let them. The intellect's not strong enough. There's no attempt to develop the intellect. It's not their fault. They are not aware. They don't teach this at school. In India, thousands of years ago, this is what they taught. But now education has become purely what job can you get with how much money you can earn. A person can have a degree but doesn't have a tie shoelace. This is a situation. You know? They don't teach it. It's, not, it's no one's fault. Any questions? Yeah, just nothing. Mike. Yeah, um, you were saying that the person who's lazy and selfish and why can't they better themselves? But Or we say, oh, you need to do this and you need to do that. But the opposite is that we shouldn't be affected by that. So how are we dealing with that? Because that's a contradiction, isn't it? No, but what we're saying is that the aggressive, we're just analyzing people's behavior and nature. We're not saying we shouldn't be affected or anything. We're just analyzing people's nature here. You're an aggressively good person. Your, your daughter may be a passively good person. We're just analyzing. Why is she passively good and not aggressively good like yourself? You is because she doesn't use her intellect. This is all we're saying. And the reason is because she doesn't know what the intellect is. She has no reason to develop it. She thinks I'm okay. You live how you are and I'll live how I am. There's nothing wrong with me because they're not aware of it. They're complacent. They accept their, their personality as it is. There's no drive. This is what we're talking about. Is that clarified? Yeah, but when you do these analysis on people and you think they're really self-centered, that does affect you then. I know you're not supposed to be affected by it, but you still think, oh my God, they're really selfish, aren't they? But now you shouldn't be affected because you know that their nature is that they fall into this category. <laughs> so we're compartmentalizing them into different yeah. categories. So if they're aggressively bad, what do you do? Stay away from them. Can't do that if they're your own family. <laughs> then, you, then you develop your intellect and deal with them in the, in the right way. It's your problem then. If it's relatively bad and you're not, then you have to find out how to deal with that person. Become aggressively good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, this knowledge helps you be aware of yourself and people around you, in your family, in your workplace, and then you're able to guide your life in a better way. You, if, if you are agitated, if anyone's agitated, it's only your fault, nobody else's fault. Remember that rule. Doesn't matter who the other person is, how they're behaving, if you are agitated, it's your fault. So when you become agitated and it's that person, then you need to put them in a, different and try and work out what the category is 
they become even less agitated. Is that what you're saying? That's what we do. The next step is to analyze. You understand? This is, this is their nature. He doesn't know he's bad. This is how the person is. You know, feel sorry for the guy. And he doesn't want to know, he doesn't want to join the Sunday class to get knowledge. You have to leave him to it. <laughs> this, is, this is the fact, isn't it? And you can't tell anyone, you're like this, you're like that. They'll say, what are you talking about? You're like this and like that. You're worse than me, they'll be saying to you. That's what they'll say to you. Then you get into an argument. What's the point? Who benefits? No one. You're both agitated now. Well, haven't you kind of, when you've done that, made them think? Because now they're thinking about what you've said. If they're perceptible to this, to comments, and you, you could help them and they'll take it on board, then by all means. But if you think they're going to retaliate when you say something, that, you know, they can get defensive, then those kind of people you don't say anything to. It could be your own partner. It could be your own child. If they're going to take it on board and take it constructively, then you tell them. <laughs> Otherwise, you can't tell them. They'll be saying, what are you talking about? If I'm like this, then you're like that. How does that help? <laughs> and by doing that, do you, you, you end up getting, you know, basically, your emotions are taking over then, because you're, you're, you're getting agitated. Yeah. So just remove yourself from the situation and let it, don't get involved in it. If you tell Sharmila, oh, you did this, that was wrong, and Sharmila says, yeah, thank you for letting me know. Um, I'll, I'll try not to do that that way. It was an accident. Then that's fine. If she says, how do you tell me that? You know you did this like, 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 like that yesterday? I never told you nothing. Then you get into an argument. So if you can't say anything, if they're not acceptable, accepting the criticism, you may be saying it in a good way to help that person, but they may take it negatively. The ego comes in there, you see? How dare you say that to me? <laughs> so we have to be careful what you say to whom. In some cases, you have to accept people's nature. We can only see your hair, so. <laughs> you okay? Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think what strikes me about the conversation that you're just having right now is, is that if you have a developed intellect, which you're using to become let's say aggressively good, then that intellect will enable you to understand whether one, you should say something or shouldn't, because the idea of the intellect, once you've developed it or going towards it is enabling you to reflect and understand and discriminate within a, a situation of should I say something or should I not? Is it the right time or is it not? Is this person perceptible to what I'm going to say? How should I say it? There's a means and a ways because if you come across as, uh, I might say something to you, but I might come across as being really aggressive, then no matter how that person is uh, in front of me that I'm talking to, it automatically changes. Whereas if I say it in a, a uh, calmer, gentler voice, they might be more perceptible 
to taking what I'm saying. And that will only come through a developed intellect where you're not reacting and thinking, hang on, this, this person is behaving in this way. Am I? No. See, so what I'm saying here is what Sittle is saying here is that if you're thinking about talking to someone or speaking to someone about any issues, have you thought about it? Have you decided how you're going to say it? Have you used your intellect basically to reason before you say it? You may say, I'm not going to tell, any, tell, him, tell that person anything because that's the best thing to do. But if you just say it, then you're acting from your mind level, your emotional level. It doesn't help. But if you think you can help, you've thought about it and you think if I say something, this will, the person will be perceptible, then you do it, as Siddle said. Otherwise, you don't say anything. So it's not easy. But we all have to raise ourselves from wherever we are towards becoming an aggressively good person. This is what we should get out of the, today's class. We develop our intellect, we steer towards good people, become good, then we can help ourselves and help everyone and grow spiritually and materially. This is what we need to do. So this is the reason why we need to develop our intellect. It helps us in our relationships, work area, family, everywhere. We work at the mind level, even though we may be good, when we have no control over our personality. This is the difference. Even a small percentage, you can, you'll, you'll be surprised how, what a difference it makes. Yeah. Do you think having a higher goal, for the, the examples that you gave of Gandhiji, uh, Nelson Mandela um, and Mother Teresa, for example, they, they had a higher goal of, so Mother Teresa just wanted to look after the poor and the needy uh, and the vulnerable. And Gandhiji and Nelson Mandela wanted freedom for their countries. Mm. So they obviously had a higher goal. So do you think having a higher goal strengthens your resolve to make sure that you think I want to develop the intellect because it will help because I can't imagine they may have or may not have mm. been aware that they want to become aggressively good. No, we're using this terminology to describe the different categories. A person who may, may not know that his, you know, his nature maybe is an aggressively good person. Yeah? That doesn't necessarily mean he knows he's an aggressively good person. We're just trying to do this uh, uh, to understand the different natures of people in the world. We're using this terminology to understand. But a person who's aggressively good doesn't know that he's aggressively good. This is how he is. Nature is such. But he's using his intellect to become unselfish and help other people. Now, as Sittle said, broaden your circle of identification, like your community, your family, uh, the country, um, does help becoming more unselfish. But that doesn't mean that will help you develop your intellect. We're going to talk uh, about how to develop the intellect in a minute. 
Did everyone understand what Sedlock said? By, by increasing your circle of identification, does that help you develop the intellect? No, it doesn't. It just makes you more unselfish. You can do that passively as well. Yeah. Okay. The epic Mahabharata presents a picture of the passive and aggressive natures of human beings. The royal cousins, Pandavas and Kauravas, in the epic represent these two categories. The Pandava princes were distinct in their passive goodness and the Kauravas in their aggressive badness. Consequently, the Pandavas suffered untold humiliation at the hands of the Korova prince, Duryodhana. He was a clear specimen of aggressive badness. He schemed and planned the destruction of his passively good cousins. So everyone know the story of Mahabharat? So, there, so this is, uh, I've just got here notes, discuss with group. Uh, so, Anyone want to just uh, explain Pandavas and Kauravas? It's saying this is a typical example of aggressive good and aggressive bad. Anyone know? The cousins, Pandavas, Arjuna and his brothers, Kauravas were Duryodhana, his evil cousins and their family. So they're saying that the Kauravas represent aggressively bad people. And Arjuna represents aggressively good people. There was a hundred Kauravas and only five Pandavas. There's a hundred Kauravas and only five Pandavas. But five Pandavas with the right direction and intellect can defeat a hundred aggressively bad people. So Krishna was on the friends of both parties. So Krishna said, look, I have to be impartial. I tell you what, one of, one of you to Doryadhan, he goes, you can have either me or my army. And Arjuna, he, he said, you can have either me or the army, but whoever takes me in their side, I will not fight. I will just drive the chariot, nothing else. The Duryodhana is aggressively bad. He said, I'll have the army. He only knows how to fight. Arjuna said, Krishna, you're my friend. I value your guidance. I'll have you. So Krishna, all he did was ride the chariot. He, he just drove the chariot. That's what his name is? Sarathi. Sarathi. His name is called Sarathi because he's, that means chariot driver. Yeah. But he only drove the chariot, but what he, what he did was he gave, he lended his intellect to Arjuna, an aggressively good person. He lent his intellect to Arjuna and advised him how to deal with the battle. And they won. It shows that five brothers aggressively, with the guidance of an aggressively good person can beat a hundred people who are aggressively bad. Good prevails. Yeah. yeah. 
The Pandavas sought the guidance of Lord Krishna. Krishna was a personification of aggressive good, goodness. He employed his intellect effectively to destroy the vicious plans of Duryodhana and the rest. The aggressive good prevailed over the aggressive bad. Krishna relieved the suffering of the Pandavas and resurrected righteousness in the country. There you have it. So this knowledge of Vedanta helps you become a good person, aggressively good person, helps you to develop your intellect, instills knowledge, become an aggressive good person. You can then help society from the aggressively bad people. This is the only way to rise up in the world against the bad, aggressive people. So studying the print scriptures helps in learning the right values of life. So by practicing and following those values, you become a good person. This is what the scriptures are teaching us, good values in life. And while you're taking in those good values, learn from the scriptures, at the same time you develop your intellect. So therefore, with a little effort, you also can raise yourself from wherever you are to become an aggressively good person. So the scriptures, like what we're doing now, we're learning good values. Yeah? That steers you to become a good person because you're living with these values. And then you put in effort to develop your intellect. You're striving towards becoming an aggressively good person. How do you develop the intellect? You should all know it because you're all doing it. Well, I hope you're doing it. <laughs> knowledge, gain knowledge. And then what do you do with that knowledge? Practice, practice, put it in practice. But how do you? You have to convert it to wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> how do you convert it to wisdom? Study, preferably between 4 and 6 a.m. Everyone's saying, forget it. <laughs> Preferably within four and six or any time near that time. Okay, we'll give you a bit of grace. No, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean 10 o'clock, yeah? What's next? So that's one thing. Study what we're learning, the higher values, that you can live by them between four and six. What else? Reduce your design. Reduce your desires. What else? Question what is to do. Question everything. Think about it. If it makes sense, then act on it. Just because someone says it doesn't make it right. You question it. Why? How? When you understand it, then you live by it. Don't take anything for granted. Oh, so-and-so said it. It must be true. No. Question it. When it makes sense to you, you understand why it is true, then you follow it. And if it doesn't, you leave it. Ravi. See, the reason you're questioning and everything is because you're using your intellect then. This is why. You may, someone say something to you, you understand it's right. You still question it, so you are in using your intellect to understand it better. This is the process of developing your intellect. We have to go through that process. Nikisha, just because your mom said it, or mom said it must be right, 
No, you question it until it makes sense to you. Then you say, yeah, okay, you're right, mum. You're then you're exercise your intellect. Otherwise you're passively just taking the instructions without thinking. So now you're exercising your intellect. Study between four and six. Don't take anything for granted, question everything. Makes sense, then you act on it. People think it's difficult to understand this subject. Initially, it is a little difficult, but it just takes a little effort. And the problem is people are not willing to put in the effort, so they give up. It's too hard, it's not for me. I, did, I went to one Sunday class, but I don't know what the guy was talking about. It's not for me, I rather stay in bed. It takes a bit more time to get your head around this knowledge. It doesn't come naturally, you have to put in a bit of effort. You have to learn this knowledge like any science subject. Test the laws in your own life, then practice, apply it to your everyday life. Once you get accustomed to learning this knowledge, it becomes a wonderful experience. Everyday life becomes different. You're more happy, more content. You look forward to when it will be 4.30 in the morning to wake up so you can study. That's your highlight of your day. Can you believe that? I'm being serious. You actually look forward to that time and you think that's the highlight of your day. Can you imagine that? Yeah, this is, when you get to that stage, you, that's the only thing that elevates how you feel throughout the whole day. Nothing else compares to it. Imagine that. In the ashram, everybody does that and everyone says the same thing as the highlight of my day, morning study. Because once you get absorbed in that, nothing in the world, what you go through experience comes near it. Because it touches you at the most subtlest level. Forget the body, forget the mind, for the intellect. You're getting knowledge of your own personality, of your true self. Nothing can elevate you higher than that. So the knowledge is best studied in small doses between four and six. Study and reflect on the knowledge. Only move further once you have understood the portion being studied. Otherwise, stick to that portion until you understand it. This systematic way of study will allow you to gain this knowledge and transform it into wisdom. Knowledge ultimately guides one to self-realization. That's the true purpose in the world. So, joy of learning is the last three paragraphs, which I've already covered. But you can just read that. Yeah. Just to finish off, I've covered the, I've already explained what they're going to, what she's going to read. The knowledge of Vedanta confers aggressive goodness on you. A knowledge, a knowledge that develops a powerful intellect, which clearly distinguishes virtue from vice provides you the guidelines to destroy evil and protect the good. Thereafter, you will not be victimized by anyone, nor would you victimize others. You would mean to do good to the society, 
become a beacon of knowledge and virtue for the rest of the world to follow. People carry the general impression that Vedanta is abstract, terse, inaccessible, not meant for the common people, and that only those who are brilliant should attempt to approach it. This is not true. The misconception arose because the subject matter of Vedanta has to be learned and practiced like any technique, skill or art. And the process of learning takes a while for the learner to relish it. The initial period of learning is trying. It puts off even some sincere seekers. Ironically, it is a knowledge which is most fascinating. The study of Vedanta in the early hours of the morning becomes most inspiring and enchanting experience day after day. Knowledge of Vedanta is best grasped between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. If impractical, you may choose a time as close to it as possible. The knowledge has to be taken in regulated doses. Approach it as you would a scientific knowledge, any scientific knowledge. Study and reflect daily upon the truths therein. Do not proceed further until you have absorbed the portion already covered. Thus, through systematic study and reflection, you gain the light of wisdom, a light that will guide you towards spiritual enlightenment. The end of that topic and chapter. Any questions? Any questions? Just going to. Quite clear? So you need to. Sinal, you got a question? No, I'm okay. Okay. Sinal has a question. So you gave the example of the Mahabharata epic, right? Yeah. Um, if we're thinking about the Bandavas, they had full faith mm -hmm. in Lord Krishna. Yeah. So they didn't question his advice. Mm -hmm. So, would that, would that um, mean it, within this context to have faith in the knowledge that we're studying? Or, you know, like we're questioning everything we're reading, yeah. but have faith in it that it will develop yeah. develop or yeah. Yeah. is that important or yeah i mean settles asking like the pandavas uh, they had faith in krishna yeah arjuna and his brothers saw him as a friend rather than lord krishna they didn't know he was lord krishna he was just krishna my friend my mate that's how they saw him but they know that he was a virtuous good person they knew that he would not direct them wrong. He knew that his advice should be listened to. Yeah? They had that faith. Similarly, we have to have faith in this knowledge. Yeah? We have to have faith in this knowledge that this will help me and guide me through my life. It will help me develop myself and my personality. It will help me to become a better human being. That's the faith 
So the faith that Arjuna and his brothers had in Krishna, if you have that faith in this knowledge, then it will help you. Without that faith, of course, won't you won't be convinced. When we say question everything, we question the laws to understand it. That's what we need to question. Make sure we understand it properly. Is that, does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Yeah. So imagine Arjuna is listening to Krishna, you're listening and reading this book, you have faith in that. The Bhagavad Gita, the Upanishads, these books have been around for 10,000 years. If they weren't uh, of value, they would have finished, they would have gone away a long time ago. They wouldn't have survived this long if they didn't have any virtual truths in that. Nothing would survive this long. Because people have valued it all throughout his, all throughout thousands of years that it survived. Any questions? When you're questioning, it's got to be genuine questioning, not from an ego um, sort of stance or patronizing stance. So it's like when you ask for clarification, someone asks you a question, you, you're asking for clarification in a humble way. Um, mm. Yeah, otherwise, you can come over you know, becoming ego or patronizing, and that's not the right stance. You're not really learning, then, are you? That's right. You're, what, you're comparing your knowledge, what you know, to the other person's. That's what you're doing. So whenever you ask questions, it has to be because I need clarification. I want to know the answer. You may have the answer. So you may say, is it like this? Do you mean? then you're testing to see if your understanding is right. So there's an approach, you genuinely want to know. And that's why you're asking questions. And the other way is you're asking because you want to test the person. So you don't really want to learn, you just want to test. But I heard this. He doesn't care what you say. And he's not wanting to know because he wants to learn and develop. Is that okay? Yeah, no. Any other clarifications? Every class today? You see everyone's putting their hand on their head? <laughs> Think about it, read it, reflect on it, understand it. These are the kind of things that can help you in life to deal with life. Any situations you come across, this is the kind of, uh, the knowledge will come to you to help you deal with any crossroads you come across. Learning these values. Okay, well, if there's no other questions.